Welcome to the Momentum Podcast. Our hope is to fill you with the light and life that are found in Jesus so you can shine in the world around you. A great next step if you'd like to grow in your faith is connecting to a community. We would love to help you connect at Momentum. For more information, visit MomentumSanDiego.com. Again, that's MomentumSanDiego.com. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, you guys doing good this morning? Everyone okay? Waking up slowly and surely. That's okay. We will get there together. Uh, Let me just reiterate the Vista Square connection that we've got going on. Uh, Outside, you'll see at our info center these little tags. Each one of these 50 tags represents an actual family at Vista Square Elementary that's right here in our city that uh, really, really, really has significant needs this holiday season. You take a tag, you get a list specific to a family that you can help. You bring stuff back for them. We're going to give it away. It's going to be, you, I got, I'm a storyteller and the story that God is building behind this thing is just incredible. Uh, but I don't get to tell you yet uh, to the end of the time. I'm going to uh, also do this as we get started. Oh my gosh, uh, at this church, we cannot jump into Veterans Day weekend and, and not just stop and acknowledge our servicemen and women. Can you just make some noise for them? me and just say, we love you, we appreciate you, and we're thankful for you. Uh, Seriously, uh, incredible. I uh, don't want to waste any time. We're going to dive in. This is part five of Love, Sex, Phones, and Jesus. I'm telling you, we are one week away from our Q&A time, and and so my wife and I will be up here. Uh, Lots of you guys finally jumped in and put in questions. Um, Here's my challenge. You can help us make this a better series. So um, I want to challenge you to put your real questions from this series, real things you're going through, uh, whatever it is in your life, questions about the subject matter at hand on the uh, card here, and then you drop it in this little box on your way out that has this uh, picture on it as well, and and then we're going to be talking through those questions. So um, this isn't like, this is totally anonymous, okay? So nobody's going to know who you are or what you put in there. This isn't like play church. This is like Bring up what's really going on in your life so we can talk about it and where it interacts with God's word. Now, uh, finally, if you are coming in new or you're visiting to this series, this is part five. This is kind of going to feel like we're jumping into the last chapter of a book, but I can catch you up on where we've been and where we're going and some of the principles of the series so we can dive in together today. Uh, It really just revolves around this one sentence, and it's simply this, and we've been saying it over and over, when you recover or discover a well-developed, unashamed, authentic view of biblical sex and sexuality. You find answers for some of your deepest longings, substance that helps you live well and flourish in a culture that's sex or soaked in sex and sexuality, and the sex life you've always longed for. So in the series, we've talked through sex, we've talked through love, we've talked about Jesus, we've talked about marriage, we've talked about single life, we've talked about where all of these different things collide. Um, But there's one word from the series that we haven't approached yet, and what we're going to spend time talking through today is what we have access to now through these things, what they're shaping in our lives and how we respond and live faithfully in light of what is now available to us and all around us through these devices here. I'll give you some statistics. The average age of first use is now down to 10 years old. It's tracked to a measurable physiological effect on the brain that alters chemicals and hormones. It's proven to create the release of a chemical called dopamine. Dopamine is the same chemical released during the use of alcohol, tobacco, and gambling. These dopamine releases create quick addictions requiring more and more and more to maintain the same levels of satisfaction. 
It's mentioned explicitly in one third of all divorce filings, tied to 1,000 divorces in our state last year. One fourth of married couples cite it as a source of weekly argument. It's directly linked to measurable decrease in self-esteem in men and women. 50% of young people would report levels of usage that they would define as addiction. It is documented to be tied to increased levels of anxiety, narcissism, depression, and loneliness. And ladies and gentlemen, here's the first corner we're going to turn this morning. Those are not pornography statistics. Those are statistics about using a phone regularly and social media usage. My goal this morning is to push you and to challenge you into becoming a thoughtful and intelligent and intentional Jesus follower. We are surrounded now by a technological revolution and it has real impact on our physiology, on the people we're becoming, on what's on the other side of all this stuff. And it is not something you can simply go whistling past like nothing is happening. And I start here and I start with social media in general because, you know, if you think about it, and I, I know I'm going to sound idealistic today, but if you think about it like this, imagine if there was like a bracelet and it got really cool just for everybody in our culture to start wearing a certain bracelet and, and everybody's just kind of wearing this bracelet and, and you just picture it's a blue bracelet and everybody wears these blue bracelets now, but wearing the blue bracelet made it more likely for you to become anxious, narcissistic, depressed, and alone. Imagine... Imagine wearing the bracelet made you more likely to get a divorce. Imagine the bracelet being tied to higher levels uh, of depression. Would you be quick to put on the bracelet? No. But you package it like this. And we jump all over it. Imagine it became cool for your children to wear the bracelet. And the, the, the bracelet, you know, kids are kind of wearing the bracelets now. They're getting them younger and younger. And the bracelet makes your kid more likely to commit suicide, become depressed, bullied, and exposed to pornographic content for the first time. Would you pay $700 to get your kid in one of these bracelets? Or would you stop and think about it? That's my challenge this morning. See, through history, the people of God, Jesus followers, have been through so many different ups and downs in culture. There's been different inventions. There's been different revolutions. There's been different things that have come down the pipe. And the people of God have, through the years, had the responsibility of faithfully looking at these things and not just going, okay, I'm going with it, but to stop for a minute and to think about what's actually going on and how to live faithfully in light of that. And that's what I want to challenge you with this morning as well. See, we are in the middle of a technological revolution. Things are never going to be the same. And they are going to continue to change. And as Jesus followers, we have a responsibility to stop and look at what's going on and talk about how we're going to respond in light of it. Now, you look in history, and this is not something that Christian people have always gotten right. You have this note sheet where you can follow along and fill in the blanks. And I kind of put these two extremes up there. You see Christians through history either retreat or react when big revolutions come along. When new technology comes down the pipe, when new legislation is passed, when new things happen. You get this 
pole, these two poles, and neither one of them is that great. You get people who retreat like not, uh, about 150 years after Jesus when Christianity becomes the main religion of the Roman Empire and there's a new Christian middle class and access to wealth and resources and life's good and I'm a Christian. People started to go, wait, what if we fall into sin? What if we fall into temptation? So there's this whole group called the Desert Fathers and, and they literally moved into caves outside of the cities because they were running from what was going on in the city. But that's kind of problematic. Because Jesus told us we're supposed to be light in the darkness. And if all of a sudden you have the light running from the darkness, something's off. It happened again in the 1600s as, uh, as major move, people started moving from the farm to the city. And, and the city came with all sorts of temptations and things that could go wrong and things you could get let into. And then groups of Christians in the 1600s moved to the farm, isolated themselves, and now we call them the Amish which again doesn't necessarily drive as the right reaction biblically because you look at the life of Jesus and especially the apostle Paul and you see Paul leverage all the technology he could to share the name of Jesus with the world around him. Then on the other hand, you have people who react. And the Gutenberg Press was one of the biggest technical advances in the 1400s and that just was like movable type and you could print and mass produce books and everything up until that point bibles weren't on every every nightstand or all over there might have been one bible in a town or one bible at a church and then this guy named Tisdale comes along and he goes we could take the Gutenberg press and we could print bibles we could give bibles to everyone do you know what happened to him they burned him alive church people burn this guy What happened? There was a reaction. There was technology. There was a reaction. They said, oh my gosh, we can't just be giving everyone the scripture. Oh, what if if people just read it for themselves? And they're, you know, oh my gosh, they're just out there. And this man was burnt because of the reaction. And it's the same spirit when you see uh, an abortion clinic bombed or, you know, some act of hate done in Jesus' name because this is, you know, whatever. It's not right either. But you look at the way of Jesus And he gives us another way. And it's that we would review. You you have that line in your notes. You could write review right in the middle. As Jesus followers, you guys, we are to be intentional people who review what's going on, the effect it's having in our lives, and how we're going to respond accordingly. This is the idea of formation. Um, if you've heard of formation before, it's the idea that everything that you interact with is forming you into something. Everything that you participate in, the people that are around you, they're forming you. And you have to be intentional about just what it is that is forming you. And you have to be intentional about, you know, I tell young people that there, there are people and you could hang out with this person and it's not a sin to hang out with this person, but being around this person is going to form you into the wrong kind of person. And therefore that is a wrong thing to do. When it comes to tech, we have to do the same thing and we have to go, what are we being formed into? This would come in scripture uh, from, from Romans where it says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. What does that mean? God had a plan for everyone who says yes to Jesus. And his plan for people who say yes to Jesus is that he shapes them to become like Christ, like Keith was saying. God's plan for you is that you would become more alive, free, courageous, fearless, and loving. But if things come into your life 
that hinder that progress. Maybe they aren't beneficial things at all. There's this other verse in Hebrews. And if you've been, along, you've been around the church for a long time, I want you to follow me on this one. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, pastors love to come and use that as like, you got to clean up your act, get rid of your sins, throw them away, be bad. But do you see what, he else, what else he says here? He says, you have to get rid of everything that hinders. And he introduces us to a new category. And he goes, there are things that are not biblically sin, but they're hindering who you've been called to become. There are things where you're not going to find a chapter and verse on it. And it's like, thou shall not blank. But there are things you're going to find that are going to come into your life and hinder the progress and process of you being shaped into the more powerful, courageous, fearless, loving version of you by the power of God. And the writer here lifts that up to the same level of sin. And he goes, if it's holding you back, it's got to go. So here's what we do. There's these questions in your notes. You don't even have to fill them in. You could just circle them. But as Jesus followers, here's what we ask. Where is this leading me? Who am I becoming because of this? And how do I live as faithfully as possible in light of this? No matter who you are, if you're on the Jesus journey, you should be in the regular habit of going, where is this leading me? Like, if I keep doing this, where do I end up? Who am I becoming because of this? And how do I live as faithfully as possible in light of this? That's our question. So I want that to serve as a foundation because we are going to have the talk about pornography and what's on our phones and all of that. But until you get formation, you're not really ready to dive into and understand the talk on pornography. Um, here's the stats on pornography right now in our country. Every second, 28,258 users are watching pornography on the internet. Every second, $3,075.64 is being spent on pornography on the internet. Every second, 372 people are typing the word adult into their search engine. Every day, uh, every day, 37 pornographic videos are created in the United States. 2.5 billion emails containing the word porn are received. 68 million search queries are related to pornography. 25% of total searches that are generated total every day. Um, 116,000 queries are related to childhood pornography. The effect on Americans says 40 million people now regularly visit pornographic sites. 35% of all internet downloads related to pornography. One third of all viewers are now women and the industry is bending itself to create more content that appeals to women as well. The average age of first exposure is 11 years old. 92% of boys, 62% of girls will see pornography for the first time before they turn 18. Many young women in relationships report being pressured by young boyfriends into reenacting re scenes that the young man saw online. Here's the interesting thing. For the last two decades, 
It's really been the church, evangelical Christianity, that's led the charge on don't look at porn. Porn is bad. This isn't beneficial. Pay attention. You shouldn't do it. But right now, in this cultural moment, the entire world is coming around the idea that this is harmful for humanity. The universities, social sciences, researchers, everywhere around the globe is collectively coming to the conclusion that this isn't good. Let's talk about why. What's the formation of pornography? What kind of formation issues do we encounter with pornography? Number one, it is highly addictive. Brain scans mirror those of alcohol, heroin, and cocaine addictions. Meaning, if you scan three different brains, one was alcohol, one was cocaine, and one was pornography, the brains were being shaped the same way in all three instances. Neural pathways are carved into the brain. That means you are physically different after having watched it. The prefrontal cortex, which is where all your decision-making, what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong, how should I live, what's beneficial for me, all the things you need to ask those formation questions are dulled through the use of pornography. And then escalation of content happens. See, in normal addiction spirals, uh, like if somebody was drinking, they would need more and more and more alcohol to keep getting drunk. In pornography, it is not an escalation where somebody keeps watching more and more hours of pornography. The escalation occurs in the type of content that's being viewed. That's why the next one in your notes there just says it bends and distorts sexual appetites. Preferences in men and women bend towards preferences for violence towards women in pornography. An NYU study reported 88% of the most popular searches found were found to be verbally and physically abusive towards women. That's nearly 90% creates a bend in men towards a desire towards violence towards women, and it creates a tolerance in women. Meaning a woman would watch a scene one day and go, oh my gosh, how could that be out there? And then after prolonged porn use, would watch the same scene and feel indifferent or give it her okay. Um, Three, it affects love. One of the leading researchers on this who's, you know, in the trenches and on the front lines of this battle in our culture said, pornography not only impacts what we love, but how much we love, how we think about love, and how we express love. What is that saying? Well, what he's pointing out is that through pornography, and let's just be honest, it is a real temptation. And there's a sexual desire in every single adult. Your desire pulls you towards a fictional scenario. And in these fictional scenarios, there's somebody who does what you want, the way you want, when you want, and they leave when you tell them to leave. It is completely self-serving in its nature. But love, on the other hand, is completely self-sacrificing in its nature. We were made to be loved by God, to love him, to extend love to other people. But what happens is your sexual desires pull you into a cycle where your vision of love gets shaped by this content and it does not import back well into life and faith. And then slowly and steadily, It affects your ability to be loved, to love others, 
and your thoughts about what love even should be. And that is the point where this becomes deliberately sinful behavior. Somebody asked Jesus what the most important commandment was. He said, it's you love God and you love people. And God is opposed to anything that stands in the way of our ability to love. Fourth and finally, it hinders healthy sex. There's a growing group of young people who would say they prefer pixels to people, preferring pornographic experiences to sex with an actual person. Meta studies, that's when you like study all the studies and they're the deepest, truest form of scientific research are showing that more regular porn users express more dissatisfaction in their spouse and more dissatisfaction in their marriage. Eventually not being able to be aroused by actual sex with their actual partner. And growing rates of erectile dysfunction in men young and old. There's a 300% increase in erectile dysfunction medicines in the 18 to 25-year-old demographic. The leading growing marketplace for ED medicines is 18 to 25-year-olds because of porn. I can't give you young guys a better reason to just stay away from that stuff. But it's reality. And, and here's why this last point matters too. We've been saying this whole series that sex is not bad. If you were with us in the beginning, as a matter of fact, sex is blessed. God made it. He knew what he was getting into. It wasn't a mistake. It was a gift for marriage to help strengthen the marriage, help the bond between a husband and a wife go stronger and stronger for them to share souls, for two to become one. There's all these reasons why sex is a good thing. And then when pornography comes into the picture and it affects sex in marriage, it again is a sin because it is breaking down God's divine design. Now, let's jump to scripture. What is the call of scripture? What is scripture crying out in light of this. And by the way, time out. Just so you know where we're going, we, we don't have a corporate shame session, okay? Like this isn't gonna be this like 15 more minutes where I can try and make everybody feel so bad that they eventually change. That doesn't work. Jesus didn't do that. I want you to hear scripture calling you forward. I want you to hear scripture saying there's a better way and more at stake than you realize. I want you to know that this is a church marked by grace and everyone in here is struggling with something. And I want you to find by the power of God the help you really need to live different. What is the cry of scripture in all of this? 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20. Paul is writing to a church in a town called Corinth. And he says this, I have the right to do anything, you say, but ev not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything, you say. Food is for the stomach, the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. What is he saying there? Well, you hear that talk, he goes, hey, you guys say food's for the body, body's for food, and God's going to destroy them both one day. 
That was a popular expression in the town of Corinth. It was their way of saying ashes to ashes, dust to dust, life is short, so party we must. It was them saying, hey, listen, your body's molecules, it's just food. Eat as much as you can. Enjoy yourself because one day those molecules will disintegrate. You're gone. What's the harm? But Paul goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop for just a second. You are anything but molecules. You are a divine being. You are created in the image of God. You are divine in your nature. Not that you are a God, but you were made in God's image. And that means your body matters. Your body is the resting place of your soul. The two are intertwined. So your body is sacred. You are not just this, I can do with my body what I want because my soul will be unaffected. Paul says, stop. First, realize your makeup. That's in your notes, number one, is just beware of your makeup. People always like, you know, people, some people talk about sacred places. Oh, I love the beach, the ocean. It's just God and the nature, it's sacred. Or I want to go to the Holy Land one day and see, you know, these sacred temples and locations. But do you know the New Testament teaches that the most sacred thing in existence on earth is the soul of humanity? That means what you do with you matters. There's more at stake than you think. He continues in this verse and he goes, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall you then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, ding, 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 the two will become one flesh. That's the verse that we've been sitting on. That is underneath this whole series. We've talked about it every single week. Paul talks about it in this conversation. But whoever's united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And what he's reminding, and he's talking about prostitution in this instance. We'll talk about it in, in, in this porn conversation. Paul is going, be aware of what's happening. That's number two in your notes. Be aware of what's happening when you look at porn. Because this whole one flesh idea that we've been working through this whole series, this this idea that two become one flesh, and when you sleep with somebody, a part of you becomes a part of them, and a part of them becomes a part of you. And that's exactly how God wanted sex to be. He wanted it to be that way. So when you find somebody, you have this tool that you can use to bond each other and grow deeper in a relationship with. The problem is you don't get to choose when that happens or when it doesn't. That means if you hook up, that exchange is happening in the hookup. That means if you have this dating relationship, that exchange is happening in that that dating relationship. And he's saying the same would be true in pornography. In regular porn usage, I want you to think carefully on this. Some of your spirit and psyche gets blended with what you're watching and the spirit and psyche of what you're watching get blended with you. You become that. Paul says, be careful. And then finally, number three in your notes, I would just say, be aware of what is at stake. Paul says, as he finishes, flee from sexual immorality. All the other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. 
Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor Christ with your body. Jeez, I could do a month on this. I could begin with how he says, flee, run, get out of there, get away from it. Not so you can be a prude religious church person, but because there is real danger. I could go on and tell you, Paul just turns the heat up on our whole teaching from the last, last month. And he says, not only is this whole soul swap thing happening, not only are you really exposing yourself to risk, but you're, if you're a Jesus follower, if you've given your life to him and he, 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 you, you've trusted him as your savior and, and his spirit now lives in you. And, and you make the Holy Spirit do what you do with your body. There's even scholars who point out that the idea of body in this passage could be translated self. And he's saying when you sin sexually, you sin against yourself. And that makes perfect sense to me. Because why is there so much shame associated with sexual sin? that you don't get when you drive too above the speed limit. Because it's connected to the deepest parts of your soul, self, and psyche. And when you're sinning sexually, you're disintegrating yourself at some of the deepest levels possible. I'm gonna try and rush you guys and, and get to the help and all this stuff. Um, what does this mean in marriage? Let's talk pornography and marriage. Um, that brings up all kinds of great questions in marriage. Like number one, is porn okay in marriage? If both people are okay with the porn. Number two, if you have a spouse and they're looking at porn, is that cheating on you or infidelity or is it something different? There are all kinds of great questions like that, which is why you need to be here next week when we take on those questions. And why I'm gonna just stop and remind you again that you have this little question and answer card and we wanna wade into real issues and I want you to help me make this series better by filling this thing out, dropping it in the box so we can tackle real issues that are going on in this church. But I will tell you about sex, porn, and marriage. In the meantime, here's what I can land on. Number three, it's just this one little loner in your notes. It's simply this, nurture a vibrant sex life for marriage protection. I'm going right back to weeks one and two. Remember week two where I told you, you got the handout and it showed you how to have a talk with your spouse about how to make things fiery in the bedroom. That wasn't just to be cute. That was because if you're a Jesus follower in a marriage, you should nurture the most robust, passionate, fiery sex life you can. Because porn is a real temptation for men, a real growing temptation for women now, and you should offensively be building a hot, passionate love life for marriage protection. That's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says this, do not deprive each other. Um, do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then what? Come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. It's right there. You're a married, I'm your pastor. How cool is this? I'm not telling you to give all your money. I'm just saying go home and fire things up a little bit. Because it matters. And there's a real temptation. And there's a real biblical reason to nurture great sex life and marriage. Finally, let me talk about pornography and grace. Number one is this. A pornography habit doesn't make you a second-class citizen in God's kingdom. If you are 
still actively looking at pornography and you're married and you're a young person and you feel trapped and you got nowhere to turn, first things first, you have not sinned your way out from under God's grace. You are not a, you are not a second class citizen in God's kingdom and you have to start there or you will never beat this addiction. It is real, it's physical, it's chemical and it's powerful, more powerful than you. The beginning of chains breaking is you remembering how loved you are in God's sight. He still loves you. How do you know theologically? Like, how do I know theologically? That just means God thought. Like, how do I know theologically that I didn't sin my way out from underneath grace? How do you know, like, if you're sinning, am I forgiven of these sins? Uh, Am I sinning and I am not forgiven because I've sinned so much? Here's the best I can do for you. Number one, if you know you want something different and you're reaching out for Jesus, if you know you want something different and you're reaching for, out for Jesus, that is enough so you can rest underneath the forgiveness of God. How do we know this? Thief on the cross, right next to Jesus. I won't get into it all now. Read it later. All he had done was screw up. All he had done. He, had, he didn't clean it up a little bit and kind of have everything presentable and then go running back to Jesus. He was done. He was caught. He was being killed. He looks over at Jesus and says, I need you. And Jesus says, that's enough for me. If you realize you need Jesus and want something different, that is enough and you are forgiven. If you want to want to change, that is enough for Jesus. Hear me now. So basically, here's what I'm saying. If you said to hell with this, God, I don't want this, I don't want you and I don't want your way, God will say, have it your way then, fine. That's how you get outside of God's grace. But even if you're like, I'm not really changing right now, but I wish in my heart that I wanted something different, that's enough for Jesus. How do we know? The man runs up to Jesus and he goes, Jesus, I want to believe in you, but help me with not believing in you. What does Jesus say? He says, I can work with that. Absolutely. What does that sound like in porn? That sounds like you going, um, I'm not where I want to be in my sexual sin. I'm having a hard time wanting to change, but I'm going to get down on my knees and pray, God, would you help me want to want to change? That's enough for God to work with. I would point you, if you came to me and you said, Matt, I've got a porn problem. It is me. I am stuck in it. It is active. The first thing I would point you to is Lamentations 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies come, or his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Take that and put it where you can see it. Because your battle against sin changes. When, when, when you shift from I'm here, God's over there, and there's a big pond of my sin and filth in between us, to God has crossed over to my side, he has his arm around me, and he's going to help me clean up this pond in ways that I never could on my own, that changes your sin struggles. Two, confession eats sin habits for breakfast. Confession. Um, again, uh, this, is, this is scripture. I believe in the power of confession because I believe in the power of scripture. 
James 5.16, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's healing that comes in confession. Confession eats sin. This isn't just for pornography. This is whatever there is. You need someone in your life that you can call when you are still sinning and go, hey, guess what? I'm sinning. I don't want to be sinning, but I'm wrestling with this sin. Here's what happened. And that person calls you or talks to you right then on the spot and goes, I know that's not what you want for your life. I just want to remind you that God still loves you and I'm not giving up on you and he's not giving up on you and we can fight this together. Can I just pray for you and just remind you that God loves you still? That's how you beat sin. Sitting in a shame circle and going, I messed up this month. Oh, so did I. Oh, so did I. Let's all try hard. That is not gospel. That's not in scripture. And it doesn't work. So quit wearing yourself out. You confess your sins for healing. Three, you embrace a healthy process over time. Emphasis on the words process and time. Process and time. All the research points out that a a real pornography habit takes time to heal. And, And it points out the fact that Simply biting your cheek and making a decision one day is not the end. It doesn't magically fix everything. You need a process over time in a loving community. So I'll point to this resource, and there's a little note to it. It's in your notes, so you you already have it. Um, But the developers um, of this company called Fortify, this is a a free help with porn um, solution. I guess is the best way. They've got an app, it's online, and, and, and it takes in real data about who you are and what's going on in your life and, and gives you a plan for working your way out of this, um, a plan that you can use in community with friends, which I love about it, and, and, and it's science and evidence-based. So like medical people like things that are evidence-based, like what's actually working out there, and, and that's what they've done with this website as well. It's based on what's actually working to, bring, or to heal souls. So, um, so guys, you've got what it takes. You do. You have a loving faith community. You have a God who's promised not to give up on you. And more access to helpful tools than ever to become the person that God's calling you to be. So I just need you to know again, if it is a pornography issue, if it's some other sexual sin issue, and it is just eating you alive, you need to know that God hasn't given up on you, that he's not done with you. There's real hope and healing. If you need prayer, write prayer on your connection card. I'd encourage you to check out Fortify this week. If you need people in your corner, to be connected to somebody who you can connect to and confess to in a grace-centered environment, we can help you there too. Um, we've got one more week of this series. I really want to finish strong, and I need your help with it. I need you to write in stuff that's going on in your life and real questions that you may have um, so we can lean into those next week. I love you. I am for you. God is for you. Let's pray. God and Father, I just pray in our midst that you would do what only you could do. Lord, bring healing. Lord, bring help. 
Lord, bring what we need um, for real answers to, to really move forward. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Don't forget these. Don't forget a connection card if you're new. Don't forget to share some Christmas love with a kid at Vista Square. More on that to come. Have a great week. Peace. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, and download the Momentum app from your app store. See you next week.